look at this relic. And I'm. Is it a Nokia? Is it an. I hope it's a Nokia. <gasps> oh my God. How do we feel about her? I love it. And also, I was jealous of the girl with that phone in like sixth grade. Just saying. Is she not iconic? She's iconic. Yes. She's giving early 2000s. We just need like a pink phone case and a little I charm. I and we're like there. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought about it. Um, I've yet to use it though. Um, other than setting my ringtone. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Mm -hmm. Celestial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's this one. <laughs> I don't know if this is copywritten by Verizon or not, but I love it. <laughs> It's giving a like, oh my god. Okay, so the first one is giving luau, like luau slash cowboy hoedown. And then the other one is very much like the, like, um, oh, what are those commercials? It's like the, um, oh shoot. It's like the, the music commercials that are like, you yes. can own all the yeah. chapters or all the <laughs> records of like this elite yes. music classic thing. I don't know. I'm just saying. I words, get what you're like, saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get about. what you're saying. That's hilarious. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are. Mediocre, Mediocre content. content and happy wait is this the last week of february oh my god this is Indeed the last is. week of february <laughs> yes if january felt like a long time february is much much shorter absolutely completely agree but this is good though because that means that pretty soon we should be getting some nice sunny beautiful spring weather at least on this side of the coast i think you get that a lot <laughs> yeah I, I'm just ready for the time change. That's all. I need yeah. the time change to switch back because it's mm -hmm. it's getting to the bit, bitter end. <laughs> the bitter end. The bitter end. I have noticed that instead of... So I wake up around 6.30 every day. And usually during the winter, it's obviously dark. A but, thousand percent. But now I'm waking up and it's just like the ever slight sun rays coming yeah. through the clouds. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> we were outside at 530 the other day and it wasn't Ew, wait. pitch dark. And I was like, this is amazing. What are you doing out not, at 530? Not, not a.m. P.m. Oh, <laughs> okay. there you go. I should have right. clarified. I should have clarified. You're right. It's way too early to be outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of it's us have work that. to go to, Kirsten. We can't just all work from home. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Oh, my God. That's Tyler, too. He's usually up at, like, 4 a.m. And I'm just like, okay, be safe. Love you. Good night. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Snuggles. <laughs> no, that's fair. You know, Chris only, and I'm, this is, this is something he probably wouldn't want me to say on the pod. So this is very juicy information. Don't listen to this episode, Chris. Stop Chris now. <laughs> only gets up for golf. So he oh. will get up at like 6.30, 5.30 even mm -hmm. in the morning mm -hmm. so that he can go golf. Mm. He is lucky enough to not have classes until like 9 or 10 in the morning. So he gets to play like a whole round of golf before he... um goes to school 
That's some and dedication to golf. I I don't even want to talk about it. It's <laughs> like insane to me. But then on the weekends when I'm like, okay, so we need to get up and like go to the store and like do these errands. He's, he's like, like, yeah, we mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. And then like on the day of, he's like still sleeping. And I'm like, it's time to go. Oh, Chris. Jeez. So if you want your man to get up early, just say you're going <laughs> golfing. And then take him to the store. Take him to the store. <laughs> Home goods. Surprise. Snacks. Whatever you gotta do. Target. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I don't I don't think I like golf that much. I don't like anything that much, to be honest with you. <laughs> For like, being real. I unless <sighs> I'm like traveling, I don't really want to get up that early like i'm a morning no. person normally i usually like naturally wake up around like 7 30 or 8 o'clock yeah yeah but that's a normal time to get like, up right yeah, yeah. no but i don't know anyway i don't even like getting up early to travel my chris and tyler are the type of people that would get up at four or five and be on the road instantly i'm the absolutely not i'm gonna need time to get ready and be awake before mm-hmm. all of that otherwise mm-hmm. i'm grump a lump against twenty thousand. okay mm-hmm. you will not get me to do anything yeah yeah i don't i like i like getting up early to travel though do you it's like it's fun what's because your wake up time for that it depends on when the like when we have to be you know oh, okay. at the next place i guess yeah. so like if we can't if we're driving and it's like a long time and we can't check in until like three or four to like wherever we're staying then obviously we don't have to get up that early but yeah like, yeah yeah if the plane leaves at seven <laughs> I need to be there at least two hours in advance. And then it takes like an hour to get to an airport here. And then yeah. it's like a whole thing. So yeah. no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to airports, for sure. But you know me in airports, which is ironic for today's episode. It is. I, I figured this was going to be like the plane episode, but then also in subtext, it's Kirsten is afraid of flying. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> I figured if I learn about it, I'll continue to hyperventilate about it regardless. <laughs> My job today, then, is to remind everyone that the only plane accidents we ever hear about are the bad ones. It's we never true. hear about a plane that successfully lands, which happens thousands of times every day, even mm-hmm. probably more than that. So just it's very true. You know, everybody calm down. It's fine. It's That's OK. Very, very true. Uh, so with that though, that is half the disclaimer. The other half is our normal disclaimer. <laughs> right. So we're not experts on anything. If you have come here to get any kind of advice, especially about flying, because we <laughs> definitely don't do that. No. Um, this is not the place for that info, but please learn along with us. And if you have any comments or plane stories or anything that you want to talk about, including, you know, complaining about bad airport <laughs> etiquette, because I am here for that. Oh, um, darn. I should have made time for that in this episode. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it at the end. We can. We can. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, please, you know, comment, DM us, do what you got to do, and we'll we'll talk about it on the pod later. So yeah. with that, I'm going to take it to the good news. I'm so excited. This first story is actually very topical um, <laughs> for what we're talking about today. Um, the... Amelia Earhart plain mystery has, mm-hmm. we think, been solved. So cool. um, 
as so the lore behind this is that <laughs> Amelia Earhart was the first going to be the first woman, I think, to like fly mm-hmm. around the world. But she like mysteriously disappeared and nobody was able to find the plane. And it was just like a conspiracy theory. Everyone was like, oh, she disappeared in that Bermuda Triangle. And like, yeah. Yeah. it was like a whole thing. Um, however, um, a recent deep sea sonar survey um found potentially her plane 87 years after disappearing somewhere in the pacific ocean deep sea vision an ocean exploration company based in charleston south carolina claims to have found something that could be the wreckage of her plane wow 16000 feet or 4877 meters below the sea an abnormally or anomaly sorry that the company believes could be the Lockheed 10E Electra aircraft she was piloting appeared on their screens. Quote, some people call it one of the greatest mysteries of all time. I think that it actually is the greatest mystery of all time, said CEO, company CEO, Tony, Ro- Tony Romeo, not to be confused with Tony Romo. Uh, <laughs> it's a very, very <laughs> minimal distinction, but an important one. <laughs> a pilot and former U.S. Air Intelligence Officer. Quote, we have, had, we have an opportunity to bring closure to one of the greatest American stories ever. The discovery was made with a sonar, a machine that sends sound waves out into the ocean and detects the echoes generated as it bounces off of objects in its path. Repeated ap- applications of sonar can be generated, something like a picture in sound waves. Um the sonar was sent from an autonomous underwater vehicle called Hugen 6000, which we did, I believe, talk about autonomous underwater vehicles yes. in our deep sea stream. Mm. So pulling that back. And the, um, in the uh, sub one as well. Oh, yeah. And the sub one. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So shout out to that self promo. Um, <laughs> no shame. <laughs> and so they found it the announcement was first made on instagram deep sea vision surveyed 5200 square miles um of ocean and managed to detect the anomaly 100 miles away from the from howland island cnn reports that this position was along the path that amelia ex- was expected to arrive on her on following her ultimate departure from papua new guinea We always felt that Earhart would have made every attempt to land the aircraft gently on the water. The sonar image suggests that may be the case. Hmm. Uh, Romeo says that the venture is going, is going to return to the area and investigate the anomaly further, hoping to get a visual confirmation of the serial number in our one six zero two zero printed underneath the wing of the 10 E Electra. This could be possible because at 16,000 feet below the surface, objects can be preserved for long periods of time, which we've also touched on. Yeah, yeah. If he and his dedicated team can get confirmation, they hope to be able to get the plane out of the ocean and bring it to the Smithsonian Institute for a future exhibit in the Museum of American History. That would honestly be so stinking cool, but also very sad at the same time. (laughs) I mean, yes, but also like now we all have closure you know what yeah, i mean yeah and i'm sure i mean there's definitely descendants of amelia Earhart oh, for percent. sure so i'm sure yeah. they would genuinely appreciate that 
And also, I saw a video regarding this on TikTok, of course, because where else do you get your news these days? Right. And they were talking about how, um, I guess, like the signals that were received, like they can go back in time and see like what radio transmissions were made during that time. And they actually think that uh, one of the problems um, that Amelia had was uh, the plane is electric or something like that. Uh -huh. So she was only able to send the signals when the tide was out because it was full of water when the tide was in. And they were trying to map the tidal zones during that time frame when the signals were actually received. And they were received on like people's radios and home TVs at the time. Wow. It's, it's, it's really crazy. You have to, I'll have to try and find it and send it to you. But they were saying that it matched the tidal movements of when they received it versus when the tide was out. Wow. Because of how, of course, because you can't, you can't turn it on. It's like submerged. Right. Um, and help just never came. So, right. yeah. So anyway. Well, and it sounds like she got pretty close to like, yeah. where she was supposed to be. And yes. then like a few miles off mm -hmm. the shore, like couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. So it's some pretty crazy stuff. I hope they're able to get the plane out. That'd be super cool. That would be super cool. Yeah. All right. Also, I wonder what they were like looking for. Or maybe they were just like yeah. mapping the sea. I don't know. You never know. You never know. All right. So my second one here is about the cool new Ferris wheel in South Korea, which I did include a picture. I know that the audio listeners cannot see it. <laughs> Um, sorry, not I wanted, sorry. <laughs> I wanted you to be able to see it Ooh. because it's fancy looking. It is All right. fancy. All right. So a new enormous Ferris wheel to go up in South Korea is set to break not only the record for the world's largest, but break the conformity of what a classic attraction can look like. Hmm. Dwarfing the London Eye, the which I have been on, humble brag, uh, the <laughs> Seoul Twin Eye will stand 591 feet high, 40 feet taller than the Washington Monument. So that is one. <laughs> How many Lincoln Memorials is that? Can we go back to the drawing board? <laughs> that is at least one Washington Monument and a half, maybe. Um, but we won't have, but it won't have a single supporting spoke. So there's nothing in the middle. Oh, that's okay. not concerning at all. <laughs> Described by Dutch design firm UN Studio as the first ever of its kind, the twin eye will operate as the as a spokeless Ferris wheel spokeless. with two intersecting rings. Interesting. I feel like if you're trying to look for or trying to figure out a visual, <laughs> I would if you've seen Harry Potter mm. and you've seen the remember all that mm, um, mm -hmm. Neville gets in the first or second movie yeah yeah um if you take the glass out and it's just the gold part that's kind of what it looks like yeah. i think i think anyway. you're right yeah yeah um okay <clears throat> so each ring carries pods that seamlessly revolve around the inside and outside tracks in total it can provide rides for more than 1400 people in 64 capsules simultaneously almost doubling the capacity of the 443-foot London Eye. Jeez. The structure is slated to be built in Peace Park on the edge of the Han River next to the World Cup Stadium. Hmm. Very fun. Mm -hmm. uh, UN Studio, who teamed up with Arup and local firm Hiram Architecture, 
for the concept says they focused on the principle of unity as as a symbol for the design. The wheel is inspired by the Hocheon Sieg, I guess, yeah, uh, yeah. an astronomical clock that that represents the movement of celestial objects through time. So cute. Located in the heart of the city, this spokeless design references Korea's boundless ambition for innovation and the spirit of progress, seamlessly blending cutting-edge technology with a timeless appreciation for stability and beauty. Hopefully it's stable anyway. <laughs> so the construction will begin in 2025. Hmm. Completion is planned for 2028. Wow. Um. The proposal also included plans to build a monorail connecting the subway station to the Ferris wheel, as well as a zip line to add an extra experience for visitors. That would be horrifying. Are you kidding? <laughs> Don't do that to, to me, some, Korea. <laughs> to some. Oh, my goodness. I feel like that I, we were in Vegas for New Year's and... Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of places that are like, well, we have this open airspace. Let's just add a zip line. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? And I, because like people are like zip lining over the, um, what is it called? There's like a section mm -hmm. of shops where they just decided to add a zip line. It's wild. I don't know. I mean, anyway. between the forest and the urban, they are everywhere. Really? And those swing things. Yeah, those are terrifying. Those are I, terrifying. I don't like those at all. I like, <laughs> I've done zip lining before. We did zip lining yeah. in um, Tennessee. We did the uh, mountain coasters there. Nice. Yeah, that's a, I I can't do the heights thing. The mountain coaster was very um scary, but I made Tyler go with me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> forced. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. Absolutely. This is really cool looking too, though. I like it. It's. Uh, it's an interesting concept. I'm more interested to see how they do it in physical form, but it is very big. It's very big. And That's the little what she said, <laughs> "Is it though?" Um. Uh, yeah, it's giving like the sphere, but without the sphere part. It's just yeah. like if the sphere needed a belt. <laughs> It looks like a belt in the sky. <laughs> yeah, right. It does kind of look like that. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm trying to see how they put like the how the balls get around because they said they were on a track like the inside and the outside. Yeah, I wonder. I I'm just very ooh. I can't wait till 2028 because I want to be able to see it. Yeah, so I think they cross in the middle. Oh, okay. So they go around. So they're going. Each track is like a slanted sphere. Um, so they make like an X. Okay. And they all like huh. intersect that way. I think. That's interesting. Yeah, this will be cool to see in real life. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Chop, chop, Korea. I'm ready. <laughs> um, I will say, like many good inventions, um, they all have, uh, you know, similar to the Korean group that's putting it all together. They all have a starting point. They all have a blueprint. They all have an idea and a concept. And that's kind of what this podcast is about, more or less. Um. Because it had to start from somewhere, I guess. And uh, it doesn't always work out the first go. I'm hoping that the Ferris wheel does, because that would be absolutely terrifying if it didn't. <laughs> I feel like, like we, as a society, have had much more experience with Ferris wheels. Um, and <laughs> probably this is not the first Ferris wheel, I think it'll be okay. It is the first of its kind, though, to be fair. That's true. 
true. I'm excited for them. All right. So similarly, as I have said, in the same vein, we have thoughts and beautiful ideas and humans are, in my opinion, very talented in the thought design and ideas uh, realm. We have great big dreams. Big dreams. Biggest. And one of them uh, apparently is to fly. <laughs> which I don't personally love, but I know lots of people do and they do it for their daily job and their daily work. Um, so this is kind of a good background. I also feel similar to some of our other pods that this is also kind of like elementary to middle school history class almost. Cause you kind of hear about a lot of the beginnings of a lot of this stuff, but you don't go into as much depth. So that's what we're going to do today. Okay. So the concept of the airplane has only been around for about two centuries, as centuries is a hundred, so 200 years total is what that means. And before that, yeah, math, uh, but before that, men and women tried to navigate the air by imitating birds, which makes the most sense because birds fly and that's the only source of material they had for concepts. Surprisingly logical. Surprisingly logical. So they would build things such, uh, they would build things that appeared as wings, of course, because that's what birds have, and they would strap it onto their arm or physical machines that would flap up and down like a bird would. And they called these ornitho ornithopters because I believe it has to do with birds. <laughs> like, or I think orna something is related to birds in science world but my brain is blanking on it but they're called ornithopters and they would flap 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 in the sky well they wanted them to flap flap, flap in the sky it wasn't very successful so it looked like a good idea and after all plenty of birds do it and this was around 1485 specifically with leonardo da vinci and he made the first real studies of flight in the 1480s and he had over a hundred drawings that would illustrate these theories of flight and how to make it happen with machines like the ornithopter it was never actually created though um the design just existed um however what i will say is that the modern helicopter actually takes its design from these earlier ornithopter renditions by the way you're thinking of ornithology which is the study of birds thank you you're i knew welcome. it had something to do with birds which I, is why <laughs> i was right there with you i understand appreciate you <laughs> so the trouble is um if you don't know birds have very specific things that allow them to fly outside of their wings they have hollow bones they're very light and even geese as large as they are the reason that you find so much poo is because they have to get it out of their system in order to fly um, fun fact they will constantly poo so they don't gain any more weight so they can fly <laughs> so if you didn't know why that's why gross i know right uh but effective um so better at a bird scale of course Folks began to look for other ways to fly because obviously the ornithopter wasn't going to be the one. And beginning in 1783, a few aeronauts, which is what you would call people who are trying to fly in the air instead of astronauts, which is obviously the space version of that. Right. Uncontrolled flights in lighter than air balloons. So an air balloon, a hot air balloon. So they would fill this with hot air or hydrogen gas 
but obviously there's not a lot of directional things that you can do <laughs> with the hot air balloon. <laughs> You're just kind of floating wherever it wants to take you. It's like, oh, and there I'm supposed to land. But and we're like, still going. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was 1783, like I said, and the, the people involved were Joseph and Jacques Montgolfier. And they were the inventors of the first hot air balloon. They were brothers as well. Um, they used the smoke from a fire to blow the hot air into a silk bag. This was, of course, attached to the basket, which is where you go. And the hot air would then rise and allow the balloon to be lighter than the air around it, causing it to float because science. So in 1783, the first passengers in this balloon were a sheep, a rooster, and a duck. Because obviously, if you don't know how this is going to pan out, you don't want to be on it. <laughs> So I also like how they did a uh, mammal. Yes. A rooster that may or may not be able to fly depending on how high they get. Correct. And a duck who definitely can fly. Absolutely. But may or may not realize that they can like jump out of the basket. <laughs> exactly. Very thought out. Uh, at the time it climbed to a height of about 6,000 feet and it traveled more than a mile and this was the first success overall and they began to send men up in the balloons as well with the first manned flight being november 21st 1783 the passengers at the time were jean francois pelatre de rosier which is a name and a half and francois francois laurent and that's hot air balloons i love that <laughs> not as much direction but it is colorful yeah it wasn't until the turn of the 19th century, though, that English baronet from the gloomy moors of Yorkshire conceived a flying machine with fixed wings, a propulsion system, and a movable control surfaces. Um, this was fundamental for the concept of current airplanes, and Sir George Cayley, uh, who was the one that kind of began this I guess turn of the century idea of what they could be built the first true airplane which was a kite mounted on a stick with a movable tail obviously very crude rendition of what we have but it did prove to be uh useful and it was also the first kind of glider idea um that took place that was actually put into a physical form and utilized the overall history um, in general, then, is divided into four main sections. The first one is, of course, that 1799 with Sir George Cayley. So he defined the forces of lift and drag, which is very important if you're trying to fly, and presented the first scientific design for a fixed-winged aircraft. Building on his work in aeronautics, scientists and engineers began to design and test these airplanes. A young boy made the first manned flight in a glider designed by Cayley in 1849. And then in 1874, Felix de Temple made the first attempt at powered flight. What? What? I love you're just pronouncing these French names so well. And I know <laughs> that you like took French. I and did. You, and you have some background, but it's just so flawless. I'm uh, like, thank you. do temple, do temple. <laughs> he did, in fact, do temple. <laughs> I don't even know if it's right. I'm just confident. I'm confidently wrong or right. So I love it. it. Doesn't matter. I love it so much. Um, so he 
hopped off at the end of the ramp in a steam-driven monoplane, which you'll have to look up. It's quite an interesting look. And other scientists, such as Francis Wynnum and Horatio Phillips, studied at Cambridge wing designs mounted in wind tunnels and on whirling arms, which is fun to say. Finally, in 1894, uh, Sir Harem Maxim made a successful takeoff, terrible flight in general, though, in what was a biplane test rig, so bi meaning two, because mono is one, and at the same time, Otto Lilienthal made the first controlled flights, shifting his body weight to steer a small glider. So this is before you're able to use a steering wheel, you're using your entire body, also less than ideal. <laughs> And it just kind of took off from there. And then we move into um, powered flights that were controlled, sustained, and powered. In December 17, which is my birthday, 1903 in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And this is where we she turn. She was not born in 1903, <laughs> just to clarify. I was not. I would she be not so dead. A hundred and some odd years old. <laughs> I would definitely not be lasting that long. <laughs> so, no. Um, and this is where the Wright brothers, which is probably the story the majority of you all have heard of, kind of took place. But this is also um, just the second phase. So they're actually phase two of the total airplane history. But it's the one you hear about the most because it's honestly really helpful. It's what sparked the actual current airplane. At least you do hear about it if you lived in like the Virginia, North Carolina area. That's true. The world. That's true. I don't know if that's like a normal thing that everyone is taught. I don't school, know. But like we definitely were. And like my parents yeah. took us to the like memorial that they have in oh. North Carolina. It's like a whole thing. I don't yeah. know if I've ever been to that, which is sad because dad yeah. used to live in North Carolina. Dad, what the hell? Yeah. What the heck? Dad. Dad. <laughs> Now I need to go. Um, so immediately after the Wright brothers make their first powered flights in 1903, they began to develop their experimental aircraft into a marketable product, which is why you hear about it a lot, because it's not so much that they were like, oh, we're the first ones to fly. It's the fact that they were the tipping point for making this um, more... Uh, conceptually received to the broader public as a mode of transportation and a reliable one uh, at that. So by 1905, they have what they consider to be a practical flying machine, and that's put in quotes, which I think is hilarious. And other experimenters learn of their work and also be kind, kind of begin to build on that. By 1906, would-be pilots are making tentative hops into uncontrollable aircrafts. <laughs> horrifying and in 1909 mm. after watching the Wrights flying demonstrations they begin to grasp the brilliance and necessity of three axle aerodynamic control which don't ask me what that is i have no idea there's three of them though there's three axes sounds great yeah the performance of their aircraft quickly catch up and they surpass the wright brothers which is great because now you have the capabilities for pilots to introduce float planes flying planes passenger aircraft observation platforms fitted with radios and wireless telegraphs fighters and bombers because keep in mind uh world war one was approaching at this time and they became an essential part of both war and peace because at the time 
you have the fighter jets and the bomber planes, but you also have these giant aircrafts delivering uh, medical supplies and resources to those affected during those times. So, well, and they're transporting planes to the yeah. middle of the ocean on boats mm -hmm. known as aircraft carriers. Mm -hmm. They're huge. They're huge. And um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's fun. Yeah. That's World War Two more yeah. so than what we're talking yeah, about. But yeah. 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 Anyway. But you'll see like the it really not to be cliche, but it really took off. <laughs> so <Stop. laughs> I really wanted to use that and I'm so glad I found a place to do that. <laughs> I'm I'm so happy for you. <laughs> anyway. So in World War One, they were used, of course. They began to get bigger and better throughout World War Two. Um, dark times though. So in section three of the history, pioneer aviation is resplendent with heroes and heroines who under who would, you know, take these aircrafts and accomplish crazy things. So this was even outside of just being able to fly. We're now going into like adventures and like how many how far can we go and where can they go to and things of that nature and breaking records and things like that. So it's kind of like an entire an entire history in and of itself where they're like well now we have this resource now we have this new thing how far can we push the limits and that is mm -hmm. just in and of itself. so amelia Earhart, for example is a hundred percent in that realm of what can we do with it and you know where where do we go with it from here right and then in the fourth section um almost as soon as the news of the wright brothers first flight at kitty hawk and Huffman Prairie became known. There were claims that others had been the first to fly. So now we have these wannabes <laughs> that are coming out of the woodworks as well. And it's interesting to note that with only a few exceptions, none claimed this honor for themselves. It was claimed for them often many years after they'd completed the work. And people who made these claims often had transparent reasons, reputations to uphold, access to grind, etc. They wanted the they wanted the 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 fame the fortune the whatever sure yeah um but overall while controversial to some uh the wright brothers are still considered the first they're at the smithsonian and their work is at the smithsonian you know all the good things are at the smithsonian so so that's basically the history um you can definitely i would suggest if you're interested in planes like that look at some of the um older graphics that they have of the scale models as well as the blueprints and things of this stuff because it's actually very interesting and in, like the physics behind it because there's a lot involved that i don't i you know i don't think people think about it reminds me of the subs you have to have science <laughs> involved with it as opposed to just the architecture because you got to know how it's going to work so highly recommend you look at them the blueprints are very cool looking and I think it's important to talk about where we are today. And I definitely think at the end, we should talk about our experiences <laughs> and like yes. being courteous in airports and all of those wonderful things. Um, so planes today, we'll start with the commercial airliners. So, and, and there's like things within these sections, right? So commercial airliners are the backbone of what we consider global aviation industry. And they're, of course, responsible for carrying millions of passengers worldwide to pretty much anywhere in the world you could possibly want to go. They are designed to transport people efficiently, comfortably and safely over long distances. Um, 
And they also come in various sizes, of course, from small regional jets, which we'll talk about the difference between an airplane and a jet, to wide-bodied aircraft used for international flights, which you are so grateful for because that's a long flight to have to be on a plane. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Blair would definitely know that. Um, Yes, I would. And commercial airliners also incorporate advanced technology, of course, for navigation, communication, passenger comfort, etc. So here are the different kinds that this particular article called out. Uh, cargo planes, they're also known as freighters, so think about UPS for the sky, and they play a vital role in transporting, of course, the goods and perishable items, oversized cargo, all that kind of stuff, and they are purpose-built, so um, like the Beluga or Dreamlifter, which I'm assuming are specific cargo airplanes, mm-hmm. They're designed specifically to carry carry specific cargo. Some planes, such as the Boeing 747-8F and Boeing 777-F, are adapted to kind of fulfill the cargo transportation need, but they can also fulfill the passenger need um, or adapt. These aircraft also have spacious interiors for obvious reasons, because they need to be able to load and unload, and they play global logistics roles and they facilitate trade so that's really what these are for there's also which i think is kind of rude but they have a plane called a wide body (laughs) so wow i know really (laughs) rare equivalent of a wide load truck I totally muted myself, didn't I? Yes, you did. I was like, (laughs) I don't know if you are muted or if my computer's messed up. I swear. So wide body, two aisles, ample room for passengers and cargo, very spacious. But they're also, again, a dual focus, so they can do either. And they're designed for longer hauled flights, of course, usually for intercontinental travel, and they carry a significant number of passengers over those vast distances. Some examples are the Airbus A350s, which are crazy looking, and also the Boeing 777. So again, like above, they can dual purpose that. And despite having two aisles, they are not considered jumbo jets, though. Um, Those are the Airbus A380s and the Boeing 747s, which are even larger and have multiple decks. And again, those also look freaking crazy. They look like they shouldn't be flying is what they look like. I've never been on one like that before, but it sounds cool. If you look up the photo, you'll be very disturbed how this thing stays in the air. (laughs) But also maybe very impressed at the same time. Yeah. So, um... They're preferred for long hauls, of course. Like we said, they have extended ranges. They also allow to connect at distant cities without the need for refueling because they're so large, so they obviously have larger tanks. And the spacious cabins allow for more comfortable flying experiences. So the seats are larger, the aisles are wider, and they have uh, increased overhead storage capacities. Because if you're going long distance, you're probably going for a long time. So you have a lot of luggage and things that you need to take with you. The opposite of that, are the narrow bodies, (laughs) which I don't know why they're calling them like this, but anyway. So they're also known as single aisle aircraft and they're in a staple aviation industry because they're more that short, medium haul travel um, distances. And they're named narrow body because they typically do have that single aisle running through the cabin, which allows for more efficient boarding and deplaning processes because you don't have to do it as much. 
The Boeing 737 and the Airbus A320 families are among these narrow body aircraft. The Boeing 737 was first introduced in the 1960s and has undergone several generations and improvements since then, with the latest being the Boeing 737 MAX series, which I didn't even know they had series, so that's interesting to note. The Airbus A320 family, introduced in the late 1980s, included variants such as the A318, 319, 20, and 21, and currently there is also the 320neo family, which stands for new engine option. Um, I don't know specifically what the new engine option is, but it's there. They're capable of carrying... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I I just feel like instead of wide bodies and narrow bodies, they should be like 40 ounce tin can, 12 ounce tin can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would like the 28 ounce diced tomatoes, but I would like the, can you give me half of that for the other yeah. one? Yeah. Right. It's just, I mean, they're as opposed to the sea tube, like the submarines were, these are just air tubes. So air tubes. it's like You're the right. opposite accomplished. Yeah. And if you really want to like, get deep with this whole tube <laughs> concept we are just one big tube <laughs> technically how many holes no i'm just kidding you remember like how many holes does a straw have that's what i feel when i think about humans too how many holes does oh a my human god have? i know we're, we're not gonna go into that <laughs> anyway no we're not <laughs> uh can you imagine if somebody built a submarine and it started flying they're like task failed successfully <laughs> The sub is floating. Uh, <laughs> floating too well. Too <laughs> floating, well. <laughs> it's going really it's significantly higher than we thought. <laughs> yeah. So they are capable of carrying anywhere from 100 to 240 passengers, and depending on the specific model and seating arrangement, of course. And it's, again, we're talking about smaller airports, um, smaller distances to go, and minimal luggage to haul so these are not going to be like that mix of cargo versus passenger kind of deal that we're thinking about and they are in high demand uh, especially for like peak travel seasons of course which flying in general and peak travel season is absolutely terrible anyway whether you're in a car or a plane for that matter um, and that's where we're going to end the first section. When we come back I'll tell you the difference between airplanes and jets and also talk about the actual jet side of things like the Boeing 747s, etc. And then we'll also have our little talk about what we experience flying and um, apparently Blair's take on etiquette in the airport, please. <laughs> Yay, I'm so excited. All right, we'll see you guys in the second half. This ad is an actual ad. However, we will still not be benefiting from this. This is an ad for our Twitch stream. You can watch us do a live podcast every other Thursday. Come hang out and interact with us and maybe catch a Pokemon or two. And maybe, just maybe, learn something. But honestly, the chances are slim. Catch us on Twitch at 6pm EST or 3pm PST. Or a different time in a different time zone that is not in the United States. We would love to chat with you and definitely let us know if you are an OG audio listener. Now, back to the regular audio pre-recorded podcast. Cheers! Also, don't forget to rate us five stars. Okay, now back to the pod. Welcome back, everybody. 
Like I said before, we're going to give you a little bit of information on the difference between jets and airplanes, because there is a difference. And then we'll also talk about a little bit of jets and uh, the different types and talk about our experiences on them. Which I don't have as many as Blair does, because I don't really like flying. Um, But all the same. (laughs) So, essentially, every jet is an airplane but not every airplane is a jet so that's the first (laughs) of course not because why would that be true (laughs) so a jet engine could either be a turbojet or a turbo fan while a non-jet engine uses what's called a turbo prop so the turboprop engines or non-jet engines are usually found on propeller planes and you if you don't know what a propeller is just look up a plane with the propeller and it's just you know it looks like a fan but on a plane and propeller planes are usually used for short haul flights instructions and other short flights because you know you're if you're learning you kind of want to learn on the basics before you just get jumbo jetted you know into the stratosphere propeller planes are also usually used on the shorter flights because they require a shorter runway so the other determination is these jets are usually large and they require a lot of distance to get going so it's more efficient to have the propeller plane if your runway is kind of on the shorter side doesn't mean it's impossible for a jumbo jet to to take off on it but it's a little more perilous because they thick they are thick on the other hand Jets are more popular, of course, for commercial and longer flights because they can fly faster. Uh, They're more stable, so the turbulence is minimal for the most part. And they can also, of course, fly those longer distances more efficiently and effectively. So the types of jets that you've probably heard of are jumbo jets. And these are the largest uh, commercial aircraft in the world. The Boeing 747 is very well known and is often referred to as the queen of the skies. And the Airbus A. A380 is known as the Super Jumbo, which is fun to say. And it also reminds me of Patrick. Wumbo, we're Wumbo. <laughs> are the prime examples of these colossal airplanes, and they are really big. So the Boeing 747 made its first commercial flight in 1970 and quickly revolutionized air travel. It does have a distinctive forehead hump. And please don't come at me for calling the airplane a forehead because you cannot you tell body me. body shame here, Kirsten. <laughs> you cannot tell me it doesn't look like a forehead, okay? <laughs> you are wrong. It doesn't matter what else you say. It has a hump on the forehead. Think of a beluga whale, but airplane, okay? Right. Um, the 747 became an inst- instantly recognizable symbol of aviation because it got that forehead hump. Over the years, several variants have been developed, of course, because you have to have competition, each with an impressive passenger capacity. Depending on the specific configuration and class layout, a typical Boeing 747 can carry anywhere from 350 to over 600 passengers, which is crazy, and it boasts an extended range, making it suitable for connecting major cities across the continents without the need for frequent refueling. You do not want to have to refuel when you're across the Atlantic, okay? That's right. The Airbus A380, introduced in 2007, so actually pretty recently, surpassed the Boeing 747 as the largest commercial passenger aircraft in the world, and it has this unique double-deck design, which is like 
<laughs> that's why it's called the air bus <laughs> it's like a double-decker nice. bus but in the sky okay. and it it can accommodate an astounding number of passengers ranging from 500 to 850 depending on the seating arrangements hmm. It also offers luxurious amenities and a quiet, comfortable flying experience, making it a favorite among travelers, of course, who are, you know, doing those longer hauls. I would just like to say, not that we have a choice, mm. right? Because we're just signing up for the flight. We don't get it's to choose true. what plane we're on. Not necessarily, no. And, and it depends, too, like, again, if you're going on those longer flights and you know which planes are operated by which companies maybe that would define which one you get i don't yeah. really know i was gonna say part of me because i've been i've flown like multiple airlines and they all have like this is a boeing 747 or like so i think boeing like lice or like distributes the planes as they want to buy them it for could whatever be airline yeah no absolutely it very well could be because i mean not you if you're not doing all the different kinds of flights you're probably not catering to your competition or your market very well yeah yeah um i was gonna say something else too and i can't remember what it is <laughs> feel free to stop me if you remember i will go ahead Coming out from jumbo jets, though, there's also, of course, um, different sizes that have different purposes. And one of them are private jets, which I, I feel like we overhype sometimes. We're like, oh, my gosh, they have a private jet. I don't know. I Maybe it's luxurious. It depends. Um, if you're a celebrity, it makes sense because you definitely don't need to be riding with the likes of me because I'm just over there clenching my fists and praying for the best. And if you're the president, at least for the United States, or a foreign dignitary, you deserve to have your own jet because you don't want to deal with that either. I will do the same to you. I will be clenching my fists and praying for the best. Um, don't ride next to me on a plane is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I don't, I know that, mm, I think okay. private jets, <laughs> I think private jets are not overhyped because traveling in an airplane and just being in the airport generally is a terrible experience. No, it um, absolutely is. So to in in order to avoid that, like if I ever got the opportunity, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Is it great for the environment? No, mm -mm. but like, <laughs> I get why. Um, yeah, you need I mean, them, and I would. Yeah, I I think I think to avoid traveling and being able to like travel and not feel crowded mm -hmm. is like a great experience yeah anyway. i totally get why they exist yeah yeah so unlike commercial airlines of course though private jets can provide more tailored and flexible experiences because you have to think too when you're booking a flight you're booking a flight based on the times and availability that they have if you have a private jet obviously you just go whenever you're ready to go or if you're not flying it yourself you just go wherever or whenever the person is available. I don't really know how that kind of works out. Maybe they're a personal flight and they're just like, I'm ready to go. I think it has something to do with like aircraft, air traffic control too. Cause you can't just like launch your private jet whenever you want. <laughs> like you have to wait till the skies are clear. I feel uh, like. Unless you have your own private runway, which is like a totally different. That's true. Topic That's true. two. Like obviously. Can you imagine having like <laughs> aircraft traffic control. People do. Your, like private <laughs> runway and. Then you just like, okay, Bob, yeah. so uh, am I good to go? And Bob's like, like just yeah, Bob. you're the only one here. <laughs> you're literally the only one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they do. And or 
I think there's also, and I, I, here I am talking as if I have a private jet, yeah. you know, in my backyard, but I think there's also like, um, hangars where private jet people just have their stuff and they do have air traffic right. control but they all use yeah. the runway but it's not like an industrial like uh, like you would normally go to for commercial stuff yeah. you know what i'm trying to yeah. say mm-hmm. so i think it has something to do with that i also would just like to say one more thing because i remembered what i was going to say before <laughs> okay. um there is an episode of gilmore girls where huh. emily uh lorelei's mom the main mm. character's mom she gets so angry at oh her dad oh and so angry because i guess so the plot is is that <laughs> lorelei's dad uh had lunch with this woman that her mom doesn't really like but oh. apparently um lorelei's grandmother wanted her son to like marry right oh, okay that sense okay that yes uh-huh. yeah okay so Emily gets really, really mad and oh. is like, and they have like a ton of money. So of obviously the natural response is <laughs> she's like, I am going to lease a private jet. Of course. Or, and it's going to be like a timeshare. And oh. so Lorelai like comes, goes to talk to her mom to try to talk her down off the, off the edge here. And off the like, private jet edge. You don't need, you don't need a private jet. She's like, why not? Why not? I, <laughs> Richard gets to do whatever he wants. I don't, this is not an exact quote. He gets to do whatever he wants. And I think I deserve a private jet and it wouldn't be just mine, but we would lease it with other families. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't even be that expensive. And she's like justifying the private jet. And Lorelai is like, honestly, you don't need a private jet, but on the the level, the Mm -hmm. level of drama there that forces you to buy a private jet. So good. (laughs) So good. I love like, I would love to be dramatic and just like play around with the idea of buying a private jet. Goes from zero to private jet really fast. <laughs> also, there's another scene where she gets mad at him again and she like goes through the mall and just starts like buying things. That's and it's goals. The best. She That's like goals. walks through Bloomingdale's and is like, yes, I want this and this and this. And they like bring her options and she's like, I want this and this and this. And like Lorelai and Rory are like, following her and she's like do you want this you can have this and she like buys it for them and they're like we don't what is happening here (laughs) rage spending is the best kind of spending i yes anyway that's my thing about (laughs) private jets i i just topical yeah Yeah, it's it well but also to your point obviously a lot of things in our regular everyday life makes it into our media and our media culture so it makes perfect sense that, that that would be in there yeah. In addition to that private mentality, there's also just in general different types of jets. So you have heavy jets, uh, which I think is also kind of rude, mid-sized jets, light jets, and then very light jets. Um, I love that they decided to put that in there. And basically, it's exactly what you think it is. So heavy jets are the pinnacle of luxury and sophistication, according to this article. And they're designed to cater to discerning travelers and high profile individuals. So they've got tons of comfort options, lots of technology. They can cover really great distances without that frequent refuel. One of the examples is a Gulfstream G650. 
and it's hailed as one of the uh, most advanced business jets. So if you're kind of on that top tier kind of high society individual, you probably travel on one of these. That, that midsize is still a popular choice. It's still got the spacious uh, accommodations, very luxury options, lots of big ranges. There's the Gulfstream G200, also known as the G2 or G3. And it's an iconic one that has apparently stood the test of time. It has a range of 3,400 nautical miles, and it can connect city pairs across continents and even international or intercontinental flights. So still a good option um there love yep that this section of the podcast is basically just like us telling people the specs of a private (laughs) jet as if like they're gonna buy them in case in case you were interested in purchasing one (laughs) here's what you need to know (laughs) yeah so you know write this down guys write this this down (laughs) so i if 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 the heavy jet is a bit out of your price range, maybe the mid-sized jet would be better because it's still great for executives. Pearson is, an, is a professional, a professional jet seller. I will now be a an aviation seller from this moment on. Um, so yes, they're usually used for a high business executives, corporate travel, those kinds of things. But only, I would say probably... Mm, the heavy and midside jets, if I had to say, were probably best for like Fortune 500 executives and owners would be my guess. Um, I don't know that for sure. I've just made that up on the spot. There's also light jets defined by their maximum takeoff weight, which should not exceed 20,000 pounds, which is about 9,100 kilograms. And they're designed for these short medium hauls. So let's say you're in New York and you have an executive meeting in Chicago, you should probably take a light jet option and just get your bum there and then get your bum back because it'll be really fast and efficient and you can still make your nine o'clock swim team meeting uh, with your children uh, when you come back. And I don't know that that's when they have nine. I don't know that nine o'clock is accurate and I'm not, I'm not asking if it's accurate. I'm just telling you it's probably at 9 p.m. Just, yeah, right. (laughs) So like this is, I am not an expert on swimming or planes. No, <laughs> clearly no, we are. We're experts on oh, jets. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Jets exclusively. We know everything there is to know. So now there's the bottom one, very light jets or VLJs, as I like to call them. And they're small and efficient, often designed for single pilot operations. And they usually have a seating for a maximum of eight passengers. So if you want to take your entire family um, and go uh, no more than about 1,500 miles, um, this is the jet for you. And I I mean, you could sign on the dotted line today. We're doing a special deal where you get... (laughs) 10 percent off with every very light jet purses and if you purchase a heavy jet we'll throw in the very light jet so you have options for 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 a discounted rate yes but we're still going to tax you because we have to because that's laws and we also have to get you to pay the shipping costs but you know it is what it is one half off yeah (laughs) bogo bogo sale (laughs) (laughs) any hoodle so that's jets um that's the the basics of jets The final section is obviously the very opposite of all of that, and these are the propeller planes. So again, we're talking uh, kind of like we did at the beginning. These are 
sometimes cargo airplanes. They can be wide or narrow bodies, but they have the fan looking things that make them move as opposed to just like maximum power blasting off into the universe. They're all destroying the environment (laughs) slightly. We don't talk about that. We are plane experts. We're trying to get them to buy them, uh, Blair. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Not sponsored, though. Boeing, if you'd like to sponsor us for (laughs) any nominal amount, you know, you never know. Uh, So they're also known as piston engine aircrafts, and they represent a distinct category, of course, because they're relying on propellers for the movement or propulsion. And they're versatile as well. They're characterized by their reliance on internal combustion engines and they wrote in the rotation of the propellers to generate the thrust that puts them upwards into the sky. They may not reach the speeds, though, of course, of a jet powered aircraft, but they do have their own advantages and their own subsets of types. So they're single engine private airplanes. So you could still get a propeller version of a private airplane. It'll just be a plane, not a jet. There's amphibious planes, which makes me chuckle because I think of Animal Crossing. Don't worry, this is a seaplane. And then there's aerobatic planes and turboprop planes. <laughs> so amphibious planes are <laughs> super fun because I are. think of like a lake house in the middle yeah. of the woods or something. Yeah. Um, um, so if you own, with your lake house, we will throw in an amphibious plane <laughs> <laughs> for a nominal fee. Um. So single engine private airplanes are also known as like the Cessna 172. I feel like I've heard Cessna before personally. I don't remember why, but I've definitely heard of it because I clearly am not. (laughs) I'm not in the category of owning your own plane status just for (laughs) just so we're clear. I could not tell by the (laughs) by what we've just been through. I had no idea. In case you were curious, I don't own one. I'm not even in the market. Uh, There's also the Piper Cherokee, and apparently they're the most popular among these recreational um, style planes. They're usually done by recreational pilots and personal aircraft owners. Uh, They provide simplicity, affordability, and they can also be used for flight training, aerial photography, and personal travel. This is when that personal runway comes into play as well. Amphibious planes, as the name might suggest, they can go on both land and water, and they utilize various applications such as firefighting, um, because if your boat's on fire, you might want the ability to put that out, and a seaplane can do that. Uh, They also are used during search and rescue missions for similar reasons. If you're out on the water, it might be good to have an aerial view and transporting passengers from remote locations like Blair does every weekend to her private island. And the amphibious <laughs> the amphibious <laughs> aircraft, they just ignore that. They have a unique combination of wheels, of course, for land-based takeoffs and landings, and floats are hulls for the water-based operations. And examples of these are the Icon, A4, no, A5, because I can I can read numbers, and the Dornier Sea Star, which is very cute. Aerobatic planes, uh, we're doing stunts. That's what that is. All stunts, uh, full throttle, uh competition tom cruise is most likely driving (laughs) a thousand percent (laughs) and then the turbo prop planes these are for short field performances uh regional travel small cargo transportation that's what you got so in all fairness i would just like to say and this is the one caveat i'd like to make before we go into our personal discussion but this doesn't uh so some of these planes are also utilized in military operations, but there are tons of different types of planes 
that we do not have time to cover and would have to be a completely its own pod because if we're talking like the military advancements of things like planes and boats and things like that that's like a whole another topic um so i just wanted to say i obviously did not cover all the advancements and capabilities of planes in this pod but it's more like like most of the time like we do this is kind of an overview of the history and the basics of what we're using for the most part today but military aircraft and even like sea craft could a hundred percent be its own thing so but we don't have time for that today on the other end of things blair the floor is open girl get it off your okay. chest get it off right. your shoulders you know so I don't know. I can't remember if I've told this story on the pod before. Hmm. Um, but so we were flying to Canada and hmm. we, <clears throat> I was sitting in the San Francisco airport, which is already like a very crowded <laughs> airport hmm. in the middle of a major metropolitan area. So it's just, mm-hmm. you know, very wild to begin with. Sure. Um. I first, so we're walking, we've made it through security, which mm-hmm. is always like the hardest part. It is. Um, we've made Lots it through security. We've got, you know, our little carry on bags. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out like where our gate is. So then we can then go get food and like, you know, mm-hmm. we have some time before our flight. So it's fine. The first thing I see mm-hmm. coming out of security is a man with no shirt on and no shoes on oh laying <laughs> on what can only be described as some kind of like mod couch situation love that and he's like dead asleep and you know what i i know what you're gonna say i know what you're, you're gonna say <laughs> that blair people sleep in airports all the time and i'm That's like you're true. so you're so correct That's and true. like normally mm-hmm. one would expect to see a sleeping person in an airport maybe like early in the morning because sure. they had some flight complications and they're you know they're mm-hmm. there from the night before or you know late in the evening yeah um because their flight got pushed back so far or like whatever Mm-hmm. This was like, I would say probably around like 11 a.m. <laughs> okay. And the airport is like at max capacity, you know, where mm-hmm. like everyone's like trying to get where they're going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, sir, sir. You know what? Why? First of all, put some damn clothes on. <sighs> it's like, the shoes for me. Like that floor is disgusting. Okay. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> it's the shoes for me. And I'm just, it's just so... I, I don't know. I couldn't believe it. I was, this is, I'm like, <laughs> this first is ridiculous. Of all, you lose one more item of clothing and you're basically naked. <laughs> like, stop it. In an airport. In an airport. Yeah. All right. This is not your home. Like, <laughs> it is now. Stop it. <laughs> all right. The second thing mm-hmm. is so we get past that. And of course, like I tell Chris, I'm like, did you see that? He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, I'm like, god. oh my God. How did you not notice? <laughs> How did you not notice? <laughs> um, so the other thing, is so we find a place to sit and i'm like guarding the bags while chris goes and gets food Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. right um and i'm just minding my business like on instagram or whatever all of a sudden so i'm sitting at like a booth in like a restaurant area Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden out of the periphery of my eye i see a baby crawling on the floor oh and (laughs) the guy in front of me at the booth in front of me 
like turns around to look at me and I'm like, it's not my baby. Not my baby, not my problem. <laughs> right. And so we're both just like looking around, like trying to figure out who the parents are of this baby. And this baby's baby. like trucking. Ooh. He is going. He has like, places. He's going to miss his flight, Blair. Right. <laughs> I know. You're and literally impeding. No shoes. His hands are on the floor. Well, yeah. It's a whole, you know, because yeah. he's a baby. Because he's a baby. And- <laughs> That's <laughs> like, facts. Whose baby is this? Am I going to have to call child services right now? Gosh, like, I what's so. going on? And so I would say maybe like five good minutes go by. And then all of a sudden, his dad just like is like, okay, it's time for you to like come back <laughs> to our table now. And he like picks him up and yeah. takes him back. And so, first of all, mm-hmm. the fact that you let your no more than one year old baby. Mm. on the floor of an airport during mm-hmm. like a time when the infectious diseases are running rampant mm. maybe he's trying to build his immune system i you know those I microbes don't build themselves now <laughs> your baby has covid like a thousand percent your baby has <laughs> COVID, COVID baby. now sorry or like salmonella or some weird mm. disease mm-hmm. okay second of all where were you? <laughs> Why? The presence of the adult Why? is the most like questionable. when I see when I see a baby, I should be able to pinpoint who their person is <laughs> like within five seconds of looking at the baby. You know right? what? Otherwise, I could like we could he could have been baby napped. I he don't could, know. I, actually, he could have been. But uh, you know what? All of y'all have really just duped this baby because he's been trying to get on this flight since 9 a.m. And it's been pushed back. He was on his way to the gate and he got snatched. Like, come on now. He's got big ba- baby business to attend to. I don't. No, I don't. No. I don't care. I don't care. Cool, I, yeah. need, I need the baby to have a chaperone. That's all. <laughs> Whose baby is this? Right. It's not mine. <laughs> Definitely was not the person you were making eye contact with either. They were also right. like, that's yeah. also not my we're baby. Both, we're both like, and that's how I know I'm not crazy. It's like the guy in front of me was also like, who the fuck baby is this? Oh like, my I God. Well, but also you have to think, uh, like you're you know what the baby first of all i would just like you to know 10 out of 10 this baby's listening to this podcast right now going i really miss my flight that day second of all that guy that's sleeping on there he's like also i really miss my flight but that was his fault for sleeping um right he definitely he missed it because he was asleep and sir that's your fault um also hopefully you have shoes on now actually this is like a weird segue i'm so sorry but you made me think of the tiktok that's going viral about the people that aren't wearing shoes and i have to say your feet must ache um and i'm so sorry um you definitely have glass up in your foot um but at an airport even worse so well that's great um (laughs) my problem at the airport that's my most recent airport fiasco i hate the yelling okay i know that they're just trying to move us along in the security section and tsa is just trying to like get people to like whatever but it's a high stress situation first my heart rate was high just thinking about getting on this plane today okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh i don't need you making it worse by yelling at me okay i'm doing my best and there's lots of rules and there's lots of things and i don't fly that often so if i'm getting up there I don't know what I'm doing. I've arrived with zero plan. Um, you know, not to mention it's not standardized. No, like everyone, it's every, every it's airport different. has their own rules <laughs> everywhere. And we 
are grateful. I am grateful that we have TSA pre-check because For sure. like it makes things so much easier. But again, the yeah. rules are different everywhere you go. Every regardless. Time. Like, yep. do I have to take my laptop out? Do I right. have to like, you know, do you want to see my iPad too? Like, I don't. I don't know. know what you yeah. and there should be if you're not going to standardize it, there should be a big ass sign. Yeah. Like a huge sign somewhere that says yep. this is what you need to do before you get will, there. Right. I will gladly right. do everything that needs to be done, but I need to know what it is and I don't want it shouted at me. Yes, exactly. Please don't yell at me. I'm already very fragile as a person and yeah. I'm on a plane I don't want to be on. Please don't yell at me. I will cry yeah. real tears. <laughs> crazy it's um, crazy but also for those of you who don't know and perhaps continue or for those of you who do know and continue to make this i i can understand how this could happen especially in the summertime please be sure to wear socks with whatever footwear that you're wearing so that when you do have to take off your shoes you're not just barefoot in it in that area because similar to sleeping guy your feet should not touch that floor do you know unless, how unless you don't care in which case godspeed but Ooh. like but if it's you, always a good reminder because that please wear bad. at least wear socks because it's you the amount of traffic that goes through there mm -hmm. is obviously astronomical depending on what city you're in and what airport you're coming out of like if you're in like LaGuardia or something like that please wear socks <laughs> like gross Very uh gross. if you're I mean if you're at one of the local ones that doesn't really do a whole lot I mean whatever but it's still a lot of foot traffic quite literally yeah. So, ew. so I have one more story that I need your opinion on because, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'll okay. So I'm going through TSA or mm -hmm. not, or just regular security because at the time I would, I didn't have mm -hmm. the pre-check thing. So I go through regular security. I've taken off my shoes. I've, you know, put my bag in the little thing. I had like a carry on plus a personal item and I'm like trying to get to where I'm going. The, the bag conveyor belt was too full and oh. somebody's bag like in front of me um somebody's bag fell over like oh. onto the floor oh no and i again was trying to get my bag the lady whose bag it was i guess was like you know mm -hmm. behind me somehow you know how sometimes oh. they pull you over for yeah, other stuff yeah, it yeah. like wasn't in the right order so i like grabbed my bag and went to go put my shoes on so i didn't hold up the rest of the line right and the tsa lady yelled at me for not picking up the bag even though it wasn't your bag correct <laughs> and i literally almost cried in the air like after yeah I, you know left because i'm like first of all i feel like a terrible person now <laughs> so thanks but for that also, <laughs> but also like i wanted to keep the line moving yeah and i also want like i would have gone back to like pick it up if nobody claimed it but right. again it's not my bag i don't know what's in it like right. i don't want to be charged with something because yeah. somebody decides to freak out that i'm touching their stuff Right. You know, like right. there's a lot of things like I know that it's one of those moments where you're like, well, do I be a good human today or like do I play it safe? And I feel I just need I to would know, play it am safe. I, 
am I the asshole for like not picking up the bag? <laughs> this is now transitioned to am I the asshole pod. Uh, I would say no, but I would say no because in the high stress situation, you don't know what people have. They're already getting like scrutinized for everything that they have in their bag. If I touch that bag, now you think I own that bag and I do not own that bag. And I don't want to be right. associated with anything associated with that bag. <laughs> like right. I have my own bag. I'm moving out of the way. <laughs> not to mention the TSA lady was not doing anything. Of course not. She was not. just standing there like monitoring. She could have picked the up the bag. And she went to go pick up the bag, but she was mad at me that I that she now has to do her job. But it's not it's like you don't own it. It's right. not yours. And therefore, if they see somebody's bag has fallen off the conveyor belt and the person who owns it is not coming over to do something about it. That is now your job. You're monitoring the line. You're trying to get people right. through. They're worried about their own stuff. Like, yeah. I'm and you're already yelling. Like, <laughs> right. Just so. pick up the bag. God. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad that I, I yeah, that no. you think I'm in the right here. I, I don't. I would comment and let yeah. let me know what you guys think because I'm still debating about this happened years ago. By <laughs> even the way. now, I'm still, I'm still every not time she goes about it, she'll go through the line and be like that stupid bag every time. <laughs> stupid bag. <sighs> well, yes, we would love to know how you think of flying. Um, if you haven't gathered from this pod in the intermediary portions, I hate flying. It's not a thing for me. I enjoy car rides and I like to stay on the ground. Blair doesn't have a problem with flying and she enjoys it. So we'd love to know what you think. Do you enjoy flying? Have you flown on some of these crazier flights with these crazier planes? Do you own a plane? And if so, uh, let me know if you're ready for an upgrade and we'll get you set up with 10% down. And then, um, you know, you can send all that stuff over to us at any time. Uh, yeah. So, um, Feel free to send us an email with any questions, comments, concerns, or episode topic suggestions at MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitch at MediocreContentPodcast. And on Twitch, you can see us every other Thursday uh, at 3 p.m. PST, 6 p.m. EST, or 11 p.m. BST. Um, and don't forget to rate us five stars anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we will see you next week. This has been Mediocre Content. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.